Hello and welcome to the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. The Local Leaders Podcast provides a platform for successful business owners to share their stories, their experiences, their advice, and their ideas in order to help our listeners achieve more success in their business and in their lives. Get ready. Another great show is coming up. Hey, good morning and welcome everyone to another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening to all of our listeners out there and Happy New Year. It's uh, early in January 2022 and we're stoked to have uh, Adam Lampenstein on with us today from the Hayden. Adam, welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Hey, man, we're, we're super thrilled to uh, be able to talk to you today. And uh, I know we were just talking earlier, you've had a, a pretty hectic holiday season. Um, Adam was telling me that they don't close. They just stay open and, and keep rocking and rolling. Um, so we're excited to hear about the Hayden and kind of your, your backstory. And uh, with that, I'll just toss it off to you, Adam, if you don't mind, just to kind of yeah. give it a little uh, feel for what you're all about. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, myself, probably like a lot of people, kind of found your way in this, in this industry from other places. Um, you know, kind of grew up, worked at a bagel shop in high school. My mother, my, both my parents owned their own businesses. My father was in commercial real estate. My mother actually owned a catering company kind of out of our house. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, um, went to college, University of Kansas, and I studied advertising, journalism. Moved back to Dallas, worked in uh, an ad agency for about four or five years, um, graduated uh, college in 2001. So right before 9-11, so the economy was in a you know, crazy place as it kind of has been you know, several times since then. And just kind of you know, worked in advertising for a while, just kind of fit and feels my calling. I always wanted to kind of do my own thing, work for myself. Um, and so I just decided you know, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go to culinary school. So I moved to Austin. Um, kind of a midlife crisis at 26, I say. Um, so went to culinary school because I kind of wanted to learn about the business part of it, really more than the food. And I really obviously in, in, ended up, you know, really enjoying the food, took it very seriously and um, actually ended up working in Austin for a handful of years, um, which is an amazing city to work in. I mean, it's, it's blown up a ton since then, but it's always been a very, very cool city. Yeah. Uh, great, great food scene, you know, great people just really willing to try new stuff. A lot of people have traveled a lot. So it's people kind of push the envelope a little bit there and have money to spend. So there's, there's really cool concepts. Um, my sister actually uh, went to UT, studied business and was living in El Paso, Texas with her husband, who's in the army and he was about to go to Iraq. So I went to visit her. We're like, you know what, let's, let's open a restaurant together. Um, so we opened up a restaurant together called Ripe Eatery. Um, it's still there. So we had it for about seven and a half years, um, sold it. And then she ended up uh, moving to Portland, Oregon, where she owned a couple restaurants called Stella Taco. Her husband uh, uh, did wine, actually, called Flat Brim. It's a wine company. Um, and I moved to uh, San Antonio, where I had met my wife was from uh, Juarez, Ciudad Juarez, across the border from El Paso. She got a job teaching uh, in San Antonio. So it brought us to San Antonio. And I kind of just always knew I always wanted to have a kind of a cool diner. I've always had a knack for old school kind of stuff. Uh, I've always been an old soul kind of, and uh, just wanted, and I'm Jewish. So I kind of wanted to always merge the, the old school diner aesthetic with kind of a Jewish delicatessen-y vibe. 
uh, matzo ball soup, potato latkes, those kinds of things. And I got a couple of small kids and I just kind of wanted a kind of a family friendly place that didn't mail it in as far as food was concerned. Uh, just a really well done kind of concept and just kind of ended up finding a great location and, and kind of hit the ground running. Wow. That's, that's pretty good. That's a pretty strong story. And, uh, and you're still young, but you've already done so much and had, had a additional restaurants or previous restaurants before this with your sister. And, um, and now you've got this one, uh, anybody, you got any partners in this one or is this one all yours? I am flying solo. Oh, I'm flying solo. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's, you say, no, without risk, there's, you know, reward, risk or reward. I, I, I put up a lot of risks. Let's hope the reward pays off at the end, but, uh, it's looking that way. Thank, thankfully. Yeah, well, the you know every everything on the website looks uh, website looks fantastic for those that are listening and not viewing. Uh, website address is the t h e Hayden sa dot com, and uh, I didn't mention, but that's San Antonio, San Antonio, Texas, uh, which is where the uh, sa is coming from. So uh, y'all go check them out on the web. Uh, looks like uh, you can get on the wait list. You can do gift cards. Uh, menus are there. Catering, online ordering. Uh, if you're in that area, be sure you uh, go visit them and, and get an order out. So there's a plug. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I've always been a big, a big, uh, you know, design person. And I think you know, as a small restaurant, which I are, like, don't don't look small online. You know, online you can make yourself look as polished as, as you can. So yeah. it's, it's always been very important. The aesthetic is. People go out to eat. The food's one part of it, but the design, the whole it's a package. It's a whole package, I think, when you're when you're building a concept. So I've worked real hard to kind of look like I got my stuff together. Yeah. And and so tell me about that. I didn't really prep for this, but but I've been curious lately talking about different concepts and stuff. Um, you know, you mentioned you wanted to have that Jewish vibe. And and I mean, how hard or how difficult was it to to create? Well, first off, did you have the concept first or the location? And then, you know, kind of how did that evolve? I think I, the concept's taken several pivots, let's say. Okay. I think when I first wanted to do it, it was more of a diner with a Southern, more of like a Southern diner. Uh, before I kind of ended up, I had about three deals fall through. So I definitely will say, you know, be persistent. You know, stuff's going to happen. Uh, I was very, you know, jaded. This isn't going to work out. Uh, you know, San Antonio is a weird city with just location. There's, you know, pockets of, of places with, with the economic kind of background, which I wanted to be in, um, and the kind of the, the, the people I was trying to target. And, and in some areas where it just wasn't a perfect fit. So it took, it took several years to find and a couple of deals got right to the last minute and just kind of fell through. So, which actually ended up being a blessing in the end. Usually a lot of those times it is a blessing. You, know, you can't see it at the time, but I ended up finding a better location, had you know better visibility, better parking, all those kinds of things. So it gave me actually more time to kind of hone in on what I wanted, I think. I've always wanted the diner, but I knew I needed a hook. I didn't want to just be a diner. You know, we got, there's chain stuff here, you know, diner stuff and diners mean different things to different people. You know, if you talk to a diner, someone in, in you know New Jersey or New York, and then someone in, you know, some small town, you know, Texas or, or, you know, uh, Carolina, you know, they mean different things. You know, diner is kind of represents the community it serves. So I wanted to come out of the gate. What is my diner representing? And so it kind of, I kind of pivoted from the Southern part to kind of like, you know, what, what do I want to speak to? Like, what do, what do I have to give? I guess you could say. And I think there, there weren't many places in town where you could get kind of what I grew up eating. And I think a lot of the diners, you think of New York, a lot of the immigrants came to this country 
and they had restaurants and, you know, a Greek immigrant opened a diner. There was a lot of, you know, there was the gyros and spanakopita and a lot of the, the, the Greek dishes you see. Yeah. Um, and so that was, you know, this is kind of what I wanted to give is kind of, you know, my Jewish background uh, and still make it very approachable. I was very cognizant to not call it a deli. I wanted it to be a diner because we've got a full bar. And as a lot of I'm sure your listeners know and people in the restaurant industry, you know, it, food margins are slim. Having alcohol on your menu really, really does help you. Um, you know, as far as profitability. So I knew, I knew I wanted a full bar. I knew I needed a full bar uh, to make this work. So I kind of wanted to curate a, curate a diner, but more of like a finer diner and then kind of have a Jewish deli inspired menu. So uh, I kind of took a few pivots since then, but I'm happy I landed on kind of the Jewish, um, Jewish vibe, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. And, and how long have you been open now? We opened in October last year, so just over a year, a year and a couple of months. All right. Well, congratulations. You you made it through the first one, man. You got a you got a hit, hit hit number two, right? And it was a heck of a first year at that. You know, it took about a year to build. This wasn't a restaurant space. It's about thirty five hundred square feet. It was not a restaurant space before. It was actually an original Luke Casey boots cowboy boot store um, in the eighties and nineties, and it's been a couple other you know retail spots. So it took about a year. Uh, to build out and who would have known at the end of that year that you know COVID and all this stuff would have hit so um it's been a, it's been a challenge but you know us restaurant people were used to that you know it's if it was you know it's never easy you just gotta it's just a different challenge different day that's all it is yeah that that had to be kind of scary for you in the middle of, of kind of doing the build out and I, I guess you'd made your commitments and then COVID hit and he you know what do you do and uh looks, yeah, looks exactly like you, right. looks like you just persevered that's what you got. He had no other choice. I had put in all this money and I had started to hire people and, you know, they, they wanted to work and I, you know, I got to rip the bandaid off and I got to get, we got to get going. So it was, it actually worked out a little bit as a, of a blessing. If I say, just because, you know, different mandates in different States, we had a, you know, 50% occupancy. So I was able to kind of start it. You know, I, a lot of restaurants open up and they get overwhelmed and people don't come back because the service is bad and they, you know, aren't ready for all these people and the staff is still training and whatnot. So we got lucky that we could kind of ease into it a little bit, uh, maybe a little slower than I would have hoped, but it actually ended up working out. We got to train our employees real well and kind of figured out what worked and what didn't work. But people were pretty patient with us because they're, you know, happy that, you know, we were here. Yeah, that, that I've noticed has been a, a big thing that um, um, patrons uh, who are coming to restaurants are just happy to have a place to go, a place to get out, a place to, uh, you know, enjoy right. people and good food and a good drink and um you know, it, it, it means a lot that, uh, and, and even today, you know, that they've had to be more patient as well, because, you know, we, we have some struggles in the industry with staffing and other things that, um, that can hurt, you know, our level of service. So, and, and I'll come back around to that, but, you know, kind of going through that whole getting it started thing, was there anything that surprised you or, or jumped out at you as a, you know, a challenge that was either really difficult or that you weren't necessarily thinking of at the get go? I mean, I think I had, we kind of bootstrapped my first restaurant. Um, it had already, already been a restaurant before. So it was, you know, wallpaper, paint on the walls, that kind of thing. This was a ground up. So I think having to go through the construction process, uh, you know, from a place without a kitchen uh, at all, um, building that up, I think it's just construction, you know, delays, things that are really commonplace, probably people in construction, people that are used to doing it. But as someone who isn't, you know, something that's supposed to take a month takes, you know, three months. So you're waiting on permits or you're waiting on supplies or, you know, things like that. And things always cost, they, people always told me it'll cost you twice as much and take you about twice as long as you think. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, sure, sure. But no, I, that is definitely the truth. Yeah. So you got to be capitalized, you know, well to kind of open up 
no one ever hits their opening date. I mean, that's pretty much, you know, it's, it's a joke when people think they're going to open up in a couple of months. I mean, that rarely happens. So I think you have to have enough to kind of weather the storm a little bit and then just kind of be able to roll the punches a little bit, which is hard because you've got a date of how you got to hire people. You got to start training. You got to start kitchen guys in early yeah. and you have to carry a lot of people for a while before you can open. You yeah. just kind of, kind of do the best with kind of, you know, mitigating, um, you know, those problems. But yeah, I think construction and then staffing. I mean, the same problem we're having now with staffing. You know, it's, it's hard to staff a restaurant when you're not busy because, you know, employees make tips. So at the, at the beginning, it's hard to hire and keep good people um, if they're not making good money. So, um, you know, that, that's always a concern when you're, when you're new. Yeah, and, and in, anything special that you had to do to kind of get it staffed up, um, especially from that front of you know, on the front of the house side, did, yeah. did you offer incentives or kind of? Yeah. Yeah. What we actually did, I think, and we actually are still doing it to this day is that we did a, like a tip pool. So we actually look at the tips in aggregate from the day. And we, we have a kind of little spreadsheet put together where the, you know, the bartender gets so many points and the servers get, you know, bartenders will get say 10 points and then the, and the uh, servers will get nine points and support gets, you know, two or three, everyone's paid a little different hourly wage, but yeah they split up the tips pretty evenly on how many hours they work, which is great. So you have a slow lunch, but a busy dinner or vice versa, or someone, you know, we need people to work on a Tuesday or Wednesday where it's not as busy as a you know, Friday or Saturday. So it kind of helps even out. So your, your um, you know, highs and lows of, of when you're a server, you're used to that, you know, you might have a day where you do amazing. And then you have some days where you walk out of here with, with virtually just your basic hourly wage and maybe a little, a little more than that, which isn't really fair to people. So I think, you know, you might take a little bit of a hit if you get a great tip, but you're also those days when you're, you know, might be a little bit slower or the weather isn't as great or, or you know, things like that, that uh, tip pooling, I think. It's weeded out some people that are, that are good servers that don't really want to share their tips, but a lot, it, it creates a really good kind of a, we're all in this together kind of vibe. And so I think even, you know, when COVID started, um, it, it kind of helped keep everybody at a level playing field. Everybody kind of knew what they were going to walk out of here with. Um, and whether you work a slow shift or a busy shift, it, if it was a busy day, we all kind of, everyone kind of helped out in those wins and everyone kind of helps run the food for somebody else or bus a table. Cause every tip is everyone's tip. And it, it's kind of helped really create a family vibe here. I think that they've wanted to keep, I've offered to change it, but they, they still want to keep it. Yeah. Well, that, that's awesome that you're giving them, giving them options and kind of let them, let them pick which way they want to go. And, uh, you know, I do like that from a standpoint of, of service, because like you said, you, you know, each other, each person's helping the other and um, you're given a better guest experience overall. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's, that's, I think sorry, that's, that's, that, that's a big thing, I think, for owners or managers, right? It's, it's, it's the employee's money. So I think it's really important. To, you got to get them to buy in on it, you know, and I think that's yeah. a very, very important. And we'll go into that later is kind of my management philosophy, but it's, you know, I'm nowhere without my employees, obviously. And so, uh, you know, it's a democracy around here. I mean, it's, it's their money. I don't want to decide how they share their money. I mean, let's all, some people might not like it, but let's, what's the majority want to do? Yeah. And just kind of keep that conversation going. It's not, we're not fixed on this forever because I don't want to lose good people too. So it's, let's see what, you know, you all want to do. And they've time and time again said, no, we like it the way it is. So we'll, we're keeping it for now. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, have you been able to to keep your labor costs kind of where you expected coming in or has it kind of slid yeah. up? On I mean, we've been lucky. I mean, labor, like everybody, I mean, we're paying more for every position, uh, especially in the kitchen than, than I've ever paid before, which is great. I mean, I've always said I want to pay 
more than a you know basic living wage. I think I think COVID and, and everything now has kind of it's been a reckoning in the industry, that's for sure. Mm, yeah. And I know with you know a lot of the you know the Ubers and the DoorDashes and all these other, you know, Amazon, people can go, people without you know degrees, people that you know in more of a service industry kind of stuff or warehouse jobs, there's a lot more options now for them. And it's hard to compete with the Amazons and the Ubers and things like that uh, for it. So I think we want to pay, we want to push it as far as we can. And at the end of the day, it's a business and, you know, it, the customer's got to pay for it. I mean, the, the margins in restaurants, as you all know, are slim. So, you know, I got to be, I got to be able to pay my employees as much as I can, but at the end of the day, it's a business. So it's like how it's a constant, you know, balancing act before, you know, food costs are up, labor's up. I can raise my prices, but there's still a ceiling on what you can raise your prices to on what yeah. people are going to pay. Yeah. You can't, you, you can't get it so high. And, and no, exactly. And it's gotta, you start, yeah. You start losing yeah. sales or losing people. That's exactly it. So it's a constant juggling act. Uh, but value to me, it's a point I wrote down here that I always say value is very, very important. Uh, so a customer will pay if they know they're getting value for their dollar. So your portions have got to be fair. Uh, and if you're raising your prices, you can't, you know, cheap, you can't, you know, reduce the portions or start getting an inferior product and then raise the prices. So if you got to stick to your guns and your, you know, your proteins are higher and you got to raise a little bit more, you got to still deliver that same quality because customers going to know you've gotten a lot of people go to a lot of restaurants and consistency is not what it used to be. And the yeah. prices are higher. I'm not going to go back. So you got to prove it to people that they, you deserve to, to be, you know, asking the prices that you get. Yeah. You know what? I, I agree with you. And, and, and it's really, you know, as a, as a patron, it's, it's almost a subconscious thing. You know, you, you get done, you look at your bill and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a little, that was a little pricey, but if it's good, it really doesn't matter. You just, that's uh, what I, I, that was, I used to have a course that you forget what you pay when the food hits the table. Yeah. The food hits the table. You're like, ah, oh, it looks okay, but I only paid X amount. Like no one thinks that when you get the food, you want to be a little bit impressed. Like you go out to eat because you may get something you can't do at your house. That's what I always say. So you come to a restaurant, even if you're, even if you're making a burger or you're making a salad or whatever it is, it better be, that better be a beautiful salad. It better be dressed properly. It better be all those little things that restaurants do behind the scenes. You know, things are seasoned and people, you know, that you get when you can't, you can't make it. You want to be impressed. And that's how you tell your friends about it. If you go in and you're underwhelmed, hey, you might come back. You might not say something to anybody, but it's, you know, it, you're not, you got to set yourself apart. That's really important. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. And let me ask you this: Are you um, are you have heavier food than alcohol, or kind of what's your mix there? Yeah, we're about. I mean, we're we're about 80, 20, 70, maybe seventy. We're we're pushing closer to seventy five twenty five food to to alcohol. Uh, and I'm you know I'm pushing. We're we're working hard to kind of increase uh, increase those sales. I think uh, we've been getting. We started off at about probably fifteen percent. Then we moved it up to about twenty percent. Now we're about twenty five percent. Um, and we're trying to bring in some more local stuff. So we had a lot of local beers, you know, local wines, um, you know, have cocktails and try to be at an aggressive price point where, you know, your, our, our cocktails are, we really try to stay about that $10 price point, mm-hmm. 10 and under, we think. Um, obviously, our brunches have been off the charts lately, which is great. People love their mimosas and their Bloody Marys. Yeah. And that's very, we do a lot of, you know, you can do mimosas with a bunch of different juices and we do a Bloody Mary that's really, really good and that's one of those things value and most of six you know six bucks the bloody mary's you know nine bucks ten bucks and uh you know customer can get a drink they don't they don't you know want to overindulge but they want to have a nice little cocktail with their thing but they don't have to break the bank to do it and that's kind of important too yeah that's that's awesome uh, are you guys able to 
have any kind of live events or anything like that? Or uh, I haven't seen the space myself, but just, just curious. I mean, it's, it's a catch 22. I've been fortunate enough to be so busy on the weekends. I just don't have a spot. When we first opened and we were at about 50, 70% occupancy, I couldn't fill the whole dining room. We actually had a couple yeah. DJs playing some kind of some old R&B you know, music at brunch, which was totally fun. And it was great. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't have the room right now. I mean, they bring their speakers and you can't sit, you know, people know unless you have a stage in a dedicated area, you're taking, you know, butts out of seats. And I, you know, and I don't, and we're already on a wait as it is at, at brunch. So maybe during the week, we'll start thinking of some trivia. I mean, you know, torn with the idea to add trivia and mm-hmm. things like that. They don't take up a ton of space, but it's also engaging for the, for the customer and, you know, kind of your slower Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night uh, kind of thing. Uh, we've been thinking about maybe this coming new year, some fun things to try. That, that sounds awesome. Well, speaking of that, uh, let me ask you about marketing. Um, I don't. I think I had that on my little uh, little prep sheet, but if I didn't, sorry about that. Um, what, what are you doing? What's working? What's not working? What do you want to do more of? I mean, it is it is all come. I tell you what, when I had my restaurant before, I mean, it was you know in two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five when we were starting out, and it was. It was really when Facebook, I think, had just started. There's obviously no Instagram, no, I mean, you know, social media and TikTok, all this stuff was, you know, hadn't even hadn't been thought of yet. Um, we did billboards, right? That's what we did. And I lived in El Paso. That's what worked, but that's not the game here anymore. Yeah. It is, and I learned this in marketing, what's called Toma, top of mind awareness. You got to hit people consistently. When you're trying to think where to go eat, there is just so much competition now for you know dining dollars. Um, I have a marketing company, a local marketing company I use. And I mean, we dedicate a lot of money to Instagram. Um, I think she does, you know, does some TikTok videos, you know, Facebook, you know, does well. You can also geo-target. So I think when you're when you're first starting out, the local, you know, two, three, four, five mile radius is the most important to me. Cause I'm a diner, right? I'm an everyday kind of spot. So I want to make sure that everybody within a couple miles for sure knows I'm here and then start kind of increasing the size of that circle, that radius. So I think we've been able to do a really good job of target people uh, locally. And now we're kind of expanding our reach out, but a lot of it is social media. And I, I mean, the beautiful thing is you make your space beautiful, you make your food beautiful and taste delicious. People will take those pictures and they'll post for you. So a lot of the organic stuff um, is, is free. You just gotta set the space for it. And you gotta, I gotta do my job to deliver, you know, let's say good value, Make the you know make sure the plates are pretty. Uh, make sure we do our job, and people will will spread the word for you. So that that's been helpful. I think Instagram and Facebook. Um, a lot. Of, I talked to. I could try to touch a lot of tables, and that's where they say my friend posted, or my friend was here, or I saw the influencer post, or whatnot. So that that's been probably easiest way. And I'll tell you what, you get this so much bang for your buck. I mean, I used to pay you know three, four, five thousand dollars a month for billboards. Which in some markets, you know, it helped. It, it's still a, it's still a, a good medium to use, but you, you can get a lot of a lot of uh, miles for that dollar on social media, I think, and target where it's being seen. Yeah, I think that's uh, you know kind of the lesson you know most restaurateurs have have learned over the last several years, and uh, most folks are are investing most of their time and effort on the social media side, and um, you know there's still traditional options that are out there and. And available, and then you know, doing things like this now, podcasts and TikToks, and you know, all these other forms of media, um, you know, really seem to be kind of taking over, and you know, as the the primary medium for restaurants to to let people know what they're all about, and um, you know, 
if you go the wrong way and you're not delivering value and great service and great food, then, um, you know, those customer reviews will sneak up on you and, and help let people know. That's right. Now you could fool people once I say, right. But I, I, I don't, I don't care if people come in once I want you to come back, you know? Yeah. So I'm, when we have busy days, I'm always, I'm excited that we're busy, but it's, I'm always like, but did people have a good time? You know, just cause we're getting food out doesn't mean we're succeeding. Yeah. You know, I want them to come back. They got to have good experiences. You know, you have a bad experience. You tell, you know, 10 people, you have a good experience. You might tell two or three. So, um, you know, thanks. I mean, we're thankful. We have really, we have good reviews. Um, you know, like all restaurant people, we've got a love hate relationship with Yelp, you know, um, but you got to take it with a grain of salt. You know, um, if, if people are, you know, a lot of people are saying something's wrong, something might be wrong. A few people, you know, people's tastes are different and you, you know, you, you take it and you move on, but, um, you got to kind of know what people are saying. Yeah. And, and is your, I guess you kind of probably offloaded that to your marketing. They do a lot of the, yeah, they do a lot of that, but I, I, we try to get up. I have, you know, I'm, I have Google alert. So anytime someone leaves a review on Google, you, see. Um, you know, I see that or they'll email the restaurant with the, you know, positive or negative review or they'll Instagram. Now is the way people respond to a lot of stuff, you know, thanks for coming in. How is everything? And they'll kind of give you their feedback and whatnot. So um, there's definitely several ways to kind of engage with uh, you know, ownership or management. How about on the technology side? I mean, you, you came up in COVID. So um, as you were as you were kind of building everything out on the on the technology front, POS, online uh, stuff, QR codes, uh, you know, virtual or um, not, you know, having having QR code menus and all that kind of stuff. What did what all did you deploy? We did. I mean, we got we were using Toast, which is which has you know been a, a a blessing. I think that's that's that company's you know growing tremendously, and they've we do their online ordering. You know, you order on our website, which like a lot of restaurant people it, order through through restaurant people's websites if they're able to, because obviously the fees are much better than trying to go through the you know the Uber Eats, the DoorDashes, and whatnot. And there are people that use those those other third parties because they get points and whatnot. And I get that, and it's a you know, um, it's an important part to help drive revenue as well. But I think having a really good web, I mean, like go back to your original point we talked about, have a strong website. Because when you first want to look at a restaurant, I want to look at pictures, right? I want to see what their menu is. And if you don't have great pictures, you don't, you know, it looks like your your website was just kind of slapped together. You don't look like you're, you're here to play ball. Like if you look like you're you're here, you're here to, to you know, to battle with the big boys, the, the chains and whatnot. Yeah. So I think, you know, having a strong website, we had the, you know, we did QR codes, but honestly we put, we put menus in sleeves and so we're able to wipe them down. I mean, I, I hate going to personally, I hate going to restaurants and I'm on my damn phone all the time. Like everybody else. Right. When I'm at, when I'm at a restaurant with my family and my kids want to grab the phone, no phones, put the phones away. So when I have to pull up my phone to look at a menu, I'm like, not again. So I really do. I get the COVID thing, but if we're able to have a menu that you can wipe down, you know, or throw away or whatever, like having a physical menu is nice because I'm just tired of looking at my darn phone all the time. Um, so we did that at the beginning, but now we have, you know, like I said, physical menus and sleeves that we wipe down after every guest. Um, ordering online, we take out food, you know, curbside, you can call in, we can take the food out to your car. Um, we've been toying with the idea of, you know, uh, through Toast, they have a, I think it's called like order and pay, or order and go, I think it's called. So you can be able to order at your table. We don't use that yet, but that's for outdoor patio dining. I know people use that a lot where you you know, a server can have a larger section because people can look at the menu and order, you know, from their phone and pay from their phone. Um, we haven't done that yet. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, the, you know, ordering, ordering online, curbside, QR codes, 
have help, and then just having a really engaging menu. So when people call, they can, uh, you know, having it all explained very well on the website. So it kind of mitigates. And then also we have a, a reservation system, like you think like you mentioned earlier on the website, try to staffing is such an issue. If I can get people to go to the website to make their, to add their name to the wait list or make a reservation, it saves having to answer the phone or have to, you know, do those same things people can kind of do themselves. That's, that's also really important. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned third party a couple of times or once or twice, but uh, are you, are you using all of them? Or are you, have you pared it down to one or two? Um, yeah, we've got, I think we use three. I think I've got DoorDash, Uber Eats, which integrate through my POS, which, you know, there's an additional fee, but it's really nice because when you sell out of something or you don't, you know, you're offering, you're not offering something, you don't have, it is just a real pain, obviously. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, have known when you try to go order something and then they call you back that they're out of it. Cause it's real hard when you're busy and I'm selling out of something that I got to, you know, go to three different portals, update three different menus in the middle of service and say, we're out of something. And I know it's frustrating for a customer when you want to order something that maybe we had yesterday as a special, but I forgot to take it off the menu that's online. So when it's integrated with your, your point of sale, when you're out of it, you set it out of it for your, you know, your employees to know, you know, in the restaurant, it also reflects your, your online ordering. That that's it's worth that, I think, because I get the frustration for a customer doesn't know what you have and what you don't have. If it says you have it on your website or you have it on their menu, yeah. you have it. But from a restaurant standpoint, I mean, I have a, you know, a line out the door and we sell out of something. I don't have the time to go and you know tell the four different or five different apps that I'm out of this. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's the biggest advantage of, uh, of having that integration with your POS and third party apps is not having to update all these different menus because inevitably something will slip through the cracks and definitely will slip through the cracks. And as you know, now with supply chain issues and, you know, we're, we're not able to get the same stuff we were able to get before and we're changing, you know, we're changing things and all that kind of stuff, it all plays into it. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts in restaurants. So the more things you can simplify a little bit or automate the better. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you nailed it on the head there with the, um, the, uh, food shortages and food costs that most people are dealing with. You got to have a menu today, or, or I think it's at least certainly helpful to have a menu today that's adaptable. And Correct. Yeah, that's right. Put things on and take things off depending on what's available, and uh, then you need that integration all across all your systems because all it takes is one person looking for something that you don't have online, and they're mad. You know, and that's right. Yeah, no. And they'll call and let you know. Yeah. Yeah. They don't waste any time letting you know. No, no. So for all our listeners out there who are food folks, uh, if you leave in reviews, don't forget to leave the good ones. You know, that's right. That's right. The ones that, that need some improvement. Um, we like them all and, and need them all. So keep them coming. Oh, man. It's, um, you know, it's amazing just kind of being in this space and how, how busy and, um, you know, how much energy it takes to kind of keep, keep things rocking and rolling. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of folks who want to be in the business, but kind of haven't been able to pull that trigger yet. Uh, any um, words of wisdom or pieces of advice you might would share with someone kind of thinking of stepping up to the plate uh, on a, and, and opening their own business? Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot. I mean, I definitely one is, I mean, location is very important. I mean, obviously, understand your concept. Think through your concept very, very well. Not just the kind of food that you like to cook. Or, I mean, it's a business, right? At the end of the day, you've got to make money. Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, just, just understanding, you know, leases and, uh, you know, is your landlord give you a, you know, TI money, which is tenant improvement allowance. And then what are the triple nets, which obviously the, you know, common area maintenance and the, the taxes and all, I mean, just 
kind of what are your all-in costs? And then, and then how much staff are you going to need to, to staff the place up? And then, and then like we talked about before, I mean, if, you know, COVID hits, are you able to go counter service or what you got to be able to pivot. And I think, you know, a lot of people are like, this is my concept. This is what I want to do, but you've got to really, if you're located, you can't get the location you want and you got to move somewhere else. Is that same concept going to work exactly? Um, and then you got to, you know, work in like to go pricing on packaging. I mean, definitely the financial part is one thing. I mean, there's a lot to think through and there's no, you know, there's no, you know, easy way to get there. Just, just think really having a really good pro forma, you know, doing a lot of research online. I mean, thankfully there's tons of stuff now, uh, to help you kind of think through that. But I think at the, at the heart of it is like, what is your concept? And I think, you know, I, like back to my marketing and advertising days, like, what is your unique selling proposition? Like, what are you doing mm-hmm. that I think, you know, you don't have to, you know, I opened up a diner, right. But I know I needed a hook. Like everyone needs a little something on there, whether it's, uh, you know, you're, you're in a city and you're doing like, I listened to one of your podcasts before of a, of a lady who had like a new Orleans kind of restaurant, right. That that's like her, her thing or people that do a Southern thing. Like what is your menu item? I think it's also important. People want to latch onto something and people always are going to come in. What are you known for? So I think thinking that through pastrami, that's our thing. Like we're known for our pastrami. We do a pastrami that I don't think anyone else in town does the way we do it. We do it you know, we brine the briskets brine and then it's crusted, it's smoked, then we steam it. I mean, it's a long process, but that's what we're known for. People want to come in and you got to be known for something. So I think when you're trying to plan out your concept, you know, you you can't hit everything out of the park. Everything's got to be great, but you got to have some things that you are known for because that's what people want to latch on to. So I think you got to really, really think people, like I said before, you go out to eat to do something you can do yourself at your house, right? Uh, and people are cooking more people, you know, with COVID people are, you know, people are good cooks. People, you know, have access to, to, you know, cooking shows and do all that. People obviously don't want to, you know, the people hate doing the dishes and people want to go out to eat to get an experience. So I think your concept has to be full circle, right? You got to think of the decor. You got to think of the, you know, the, the lighting, the music, um, your price point is really important too. value, value, value. Um, you know, you can have great things on the menu, but what can you charge for it? And are people willing to pay what you can charge for? Everyone wants to have the best of everything on the menu and make everything from scratch, but you got to look at the back end is like, you know, labor is very expensive. So I think, uh, I guess kind of, I know I'm all over the place, but I think, I think, uh, I mean, there's just a lot, you know, I, I, we could have a five hour conversation on, on this itself. I think just really thinking through it's a business. And I think a lot of restaurant people, a lot of like really foodie and food people want to make everything from scratch. And it's been a really hard lesson for me to learn, but you've got to pick your battles. I can make everything from scratch, right? But can, do I have the staff and do I, you know, do I want to go through that process every time? You know, I can roast tomatoes, but if there's a pro, you know, a, a product I can get, uh, you know, that serves that same purpose. Like, does a customer care that every single item on every single thing is made from scratch? No, not really. The stuff that needs to be made, and we make all of our sauces, we, you know, do all of our meat, I mean, all those, like the, the important things are there. If we make our own bread, no, because it's not, it's cost prohibitive to make our own bread, you know? So we found a really good purveyor, you know, for the bread and for our bagels and for a lot of our things, like, you know, we have a lot of local people that that's what they do best. So we try to employ people that, you know, are the best at what they do, Yep. We try to be the best at what we do and we can do everything. Um, Cause trust me, when everything on your, on your menu is made from scratch and your prep guy calls in sick or, you know, something happens and, you know, a customer would rather have a really good product 
consistently, then sorry, we're out of half our menu today because a couple guys called in sick yeah. or, you know, those kinds of things. I think it's picking your battles um, is really important yeah. on that. You can't do, you know, just don't, don't kill yourself or it's going to, you're going to be here for 24 hours a day and uh, just be frustrated every minute of it. <laughs> Yeah. which which happens enough on its own so. which, yeah yeah I'm, I'm here enough and i'm frustrated about every bit that i'm here i don't even i don't think we'll do everything from scratch but we do you know we it's our heart and soul is in it and uh you know we don't mail it in and i, I can stand behind everything we do um and i think you know just just do an honest put an honest effort through whatever you do yeah i, I think that is a uh, great advice right there and um stuff that, that our listeners and all of us can take to heart no matter what you know business or industry we're in although we're we're focused in the restaurant space and, um you know you've got to have your heart and soul into it and you got to be able to stand behind it so it sounds like you guys at the hayden are are really rocking and rolling in san antonio so congratulations on uh having achieved your first year and uh, kind of as I, I head toward wrapping this wrapping this thing up, I, I want to do two things. One, make sure that uh, I didn't miss anything that you wanted to to talk about, and and then secondly, uh, ask you know, kind of what the future is looking like. Have you been have you been here long enough yet to start thinking of the future? Um, so that's that's kind of my final two questions. Anything we missed, Adam? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think one thing I wanted to mention is just I think we we didn't get there because um, you and I both love the chat. So I think we I got long winded on a few things probably, but uh, just have a good staff. I think I mean you can't do this without a good staff. And I think yeah. find people that that do. Uh, someone always told me a while ago, you find people that are they don't have to be good at everything, but kind of find out what they're good at and try to let them excel at what they do. So I got some good managers that are great at some things and some things they're not so great at. But but if you have good people, as as I as I grow and I start thinking about the future, so how I can use these people at what they enjoy doing and what they're great at and not try to put a square peg in a round hole kind of a thing. Um, and just surround yourself with a good team because you know I want to hire people now that are with me in 10, 12 years. I'm not, I don't look at anybody, even servers. I'm not trying to just fill fill places. I want to have, you know, I am really good at my staff and I treat them like family and I expect the same. And so I think as I do look to the future, um, I kind of look at who do I have and what are they good at and how can we, you know, and then also looking at the reality of, of labor, right? I think whatever I do next, I would love to, I've always thought build a concept that's scalable once, number one, it doesn't, I don't have to open up another one just like this. I honestly think the next thing I do, I would love to open a cool little, you know, diner at a, you know, cool little hotel downtown or whatnot. And I think maybe opening up a commissary kitchen where you get some cheap land somewhere, you've got a staff that, you know, are able to crank out the food and then you, that way your footprint for your lease and having to staff up a huge dining room and a huge kitchen at each location, which is more of a challenge now and a, and a, and a lot more expense, you got to find something that's more scalable. So I think looking into like, you know, more delivery, more catering, um, just we're looking at the reality of labor. I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to get any easier. And people, you know, will pay a little bit more for their food, but you know, it's like it, we, we talked about before. There's still that ceiling. Because how do I, how do I be smarter about my business and still deliver an amazing product, but on the back end, get smarter about how I get it there? You know, not create the wheel in every single location I have. Can I have one space where I'm, you know, I've got a great team of cooks and chefs that are, you know, cranking out consistently delicious food, delivering it to maybe the restaurants where I don't have to have that same staff every single place. Right. Um, you know, kind of a thing. And then I'm able to have those other product lines. I can maybe, you know, get in the grocery store with some of my sauces and, 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 you know, pastrami or whatnot, or ship, you know, there's gold belly or ship things or things like that. So 
trying to find scale, I think is really important uh, for my future and for the profitability of the business, you know, building a really good brand is number one for me. You know, I was for the first year, I was more important about delivering a great product, make sure I'm making money on it at some point. But I think a lot of people at the beginning, you're so they pinch every penny and a customer, you know, a customer gets, you know, is going to understand, going to get there. Like a customer will, will trust you and they'll pay more for you, but you got to prove it to them at the beginning. So you got to make sure you got a good product out there. You're talking to customers, taking their feedback in, pivoting if things aren't working. Um, and then eventually, like, you know, a lot of these big businesses, right? They don't make money for a few years, but they figure out what works and then you figure out a way to make money. So you can't be unprofitable forever, but you got to, I think, really make sure you, you build your brand number one and then figure out how to make it kind of make it work. But you got to people, people, you know, you can make money, but if nobody cares what you're doing or they don't, you know, you're, you're so cheap with what you're doing, but you're, I'm making money. They don't care about that. They want to feel like they get a good value when they go out. Uh, and it's a cool concept, you know? Yeah, that, well, that is great advice. Actually, I was, I was taking notes as you were talking and a lot of great points there, especially with the, um, you know, the having kind of in mind the, the need to be able to be scalable and adaptable. Um, commissary kitchen is, is an awesome way to, to do that. If you can feed several restaurants, um, mm -hmm. or maybe even do some uh, ghost kitchen concepts from there, um, and, uh, you know, catch on to the online delivery audience out there with, with some different options uh, for food. I mean, you're thinking out of the box and you're thinking about future and growth and, and that's, what's important for all of us to be thinking about is, you know, how do we take that next step forward? Um, so that we we can continue to grow and even more importantly, grow our people, which you mentioned right. on the staffing side, they need opportunities. So right. if, if you're sitting still and not creating much of a, a path uh, for their careers, then it's a lot harder to recruit them. You're going to have more staffing problems. You're going to have to pay more, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You got to let, you got to let them know. And this is one thing I'll, I'll, I'll say last thing about that. I think is I've, I've really tried to give my manager and let him know where the path is for them. And then I want them to sit down with their people and let them know where their path is as well. So if you're, you know, you should always be worried, you know, looking for your replacement, I guess, as they say, right. Not, not being afraid of it, but like if, I, if a manager wants to grow, then someone needs to take their spot. So I think always grooming those people. And then your, your hourly line guys, like, right, I want more for them. I want them to have management if they want it. Right. Some of them don't want it, but you need to have that conversation with them now that, Hey, keep showing up on time, keep working hard. You know, I want to reward you for that because I think I've worked at a lot of restaurants and a lot of people that everyone's so busy. No one ever sits down with their employees. You don't have to give them raises all the time, right? Sometimes you need to let them know, you know, have, have regular schedule reviews with them. Let them know where they stand and that, you know, where they're, you don't, you know, I, that money's going to get there for you and I'm working on it for you. And I want you to know, keep working hard and I'm recognizing your, your effort, you yeah. know, don't, don't wait too long because they might leave you by that point. Yeah, and, and that and that doesn't take very long to do. Yeah, they'll be people in this day and age, they can make 50 cents more down the street and they don't think they're they're appreciated where they are, that they'll move. There's no, you know, yeah. people don't have that same loyalty that they they used to have. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and and in today's marketplace, that that happens a lot and uh, you don't want to fall into that. So some great advice, you know, for all our listeners about communication and and making sure your team, your employees, um, all your people are, are in the loop as to what, what you're doing, what your thoughts are, what your plans are for not only the business, but for them uh, personally and their careers uh, is a critical part to be able to hold it on uh, and keeping those employees that you want to keep. Yeah, well, no, that's it. People, people want to be appreciated. You know, it's a hard industry. They're not making, you know, people, 
you know, it's tough, but they work hard and they should be you know, appreciated for it and let them, you know, give them a path forward if they want, they want more. Absolutely. And again, you know, for all of our listeners out there, we're, we're talking to Adam and uh, out of the Hayden in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Adam's the owner, the chief bill payer, the dishwasher. I like that. I'm a heck of a good buster too. That's right. Yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah. He can, he can bust the table with the best of them. So right. be sure that, that you get down if you're in the area and check them out uh online or in, in on premise it doesn't matter just uh just go and and enjoy a meal with these guys or uh, a good uh brunch and uh you know some of those cocktails mimosas and bloody mary sounded pretty darn good too all right come get a cup of matzo ball soup and a pastrami sandwich we got it oh yeah don't forget the pastrami hey well again um adam i want to i want to wrap it up but i'm gonna think i want to thank you for being here today um and sharing your knowledge your experience kind of everything that you've done and learned uh, over the years and and most importantly in the last couple with this uh with the hayden and, and getting it underway thank you for sharing all that with with me and my and our audience i appreciate it thanks for having me it's, it's been a lot of fun yeah we've we've really enjoyed uh enjoyed having you uh, adam lampenstein once again from the hayden we appreciate you being here and for all our listeners we appreciate you joining us for another awesome episode of the local leaders podcast and uh, we look forward to talking to you on our next show Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. You can find us at www.jeffzpodcast.com or jeffzjohnson.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening and be sure to come back every Monday and Wednesday for our next episode.